Hello, welcome to the Better Outcomes Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Each episode, we bring you a conversation with leaders across the healthcare industry, exploring topics ranging from new treatment techniques and interventions to novel service delivery methods and business models. And now your host, Rafi Salazar from Rehab U Practice Solutions, a leader in patient engagement and retention strategy. Let's explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Well, hello again. Welcome to another episode of the Better Outcomes Show. I'm your host, Rafi Salazar from Rehab U Practice Solutions. If you run a clinic, own a clinic, manage a clinic, or are otherwise responsible for the patient inflow to that clinic, and you want a system that'll bring in more patients, retain them throughout their course of care, and create uniquely impactful patient experiences, then check out the Ultimate Patient Experience Blueprint, where we show you how to do just that. You can find that at www.rehabupracticesolutions.com slash UPE for Ultimate Patient Experience. That's rehabupracticesolutions.com slash UPE. All right, what do we have this week? This week, we are taking a bit, again, a bit of a pause from hands-on clinical care evidence-based practice, innovative treatment techniques, and the like, and we're looking more at website design, specific, specifically website design for your practice or your clinic, and what are the most important pieces or tools to have on your website, what is the main function of website, how do you take the website from just a standard, this is us, this is what we do, yada, 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 informational page, to really a lead conversion or a lead, um, a lead generating tool where you take traffic, people that come to your website that might find you on Google or maybe on an advertisement or whatever, and how do you take those people, those eyeballs, if you would, and make them raise their hand and say yes and fall into your, um, you can call them your referral pipeline, you can call them your sales pipeline, whatever it is, how do you get those folks that land on your website to go from cold traffic or warm traffic to booked appointment. Um, My guest this week is Corey Hyben. He's an occupational therapist turned website designer and he runs uh, Andro Brands. So he's based out of Minnesota. He designs websites for health and fitness professionals and we have a conversation around all of that. What does your website need to, to have on it? What are the pieces? Um, we talk a little bit about direct-to-consumer marketing, the sales cycle in a direct-to-consumer, specifically in healthcare, a direct-to-consumer strategy and how it's different than, say, um, a sales cycle for a patient or a client who gets referred to a clinic from their physician or their primary care provider, right? Um, so without further ado, Let's dive right in to website design and direct-to-consumer marketing. Well, hey, Corey, welcome to the show. How are you? Great, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. I'm excited about talking about websites and website design and all that kind of stuff. Before we dive in, why don't you tell people a little bit about yourself, uh, kind of your background, moving from a clinician to website designer, and we'll go from there. Yeah, I would say uh, like most big changes in life, they come from a place of pain. 
Um, and so I, uh, yeah, I'm originally an occupational therapist by trade. Actually, prior to that, I was actually a personal trainer. Um, so I've been in the service-based business for most of my career for that, for that matter. And, um, like a lot of people just got very burnt out on patient care. Um, and I realized at some point in that, that I actually love the people that I work with. I love the, the OTs, the PTs, the NPs, the PAs, like all those people are amazing doctors, maybe not so much depending upon the doctor, but, um, <laughs> But uh, I love the people I got to work beside and it was like, okay, well, prior to actually getting into the service-based business, I was actually originally in school for computer science and I have a technical background. Um, I built my first computer when I was like 12 years old, learned how to program oh, when I was cow. like 13. Yeah. Um, and so I have a pretty extensive technical background. It's something I've always enjoyed. It's always been a big core piece of my life. Um, I just never took it into the profession, one might say. Uh, mostly just because I'm also very passionate about health, right? So I, how do I take these two things I love dearly, so technology and health, and ultimately bring them together? And that place of pain just happened during COVID. I actually got fired from my job, um, which actually wasn't the worst thing ever because, like I said, I was very just burnt out on patient care. Um, and so it was that, okay, bring these two things together. And ultimately, that landed me into what I do now today, which is essentially marketing and web design for my health and fitness professionals. And so all my clients are PTs, OTs, chiros, uh, personal trainers, basically anybody that's in a health or fitness service-based business. Those are the people that I'm helping with their marketing, helping them get clients. And if there's one thing that we'll never not need, it's more clients and patients. And so that's what I do. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. It's, it's always interesting to hear people's stories, right? Like some people get go from something technical into like healthcare. Some people go from technical healthcare, then back out to technical. It's, it's just life always, always has a way of, of sending you signals, right? <laughs> yeah, no question, man. And like, it, it just goes so closely with figuring out, I think we're better at figuring out what we like by first figuring out what we don't like. I always feel like it's a process of like trying a lot of things and you very quickly, what resonates and what doesn't resonate with you. It's it's the same as like Gary Vee always talks about like, how do you know what you like to eat? Well, you try a lot of foods. Well, I think our careers often show up in the same ways. How do you know what you're passionate about as one might say? It's well, you try a lot of stuff and you see what you like. Yeah. Well, and so many people I feel like are stuck in that rut or stuck in a, in a situation where they don't like, and they're just too scared to make, you know, to make a big move like that. It can be very intimidating. So good on you. That's awesome. Did you wow. see the recent statistic actually about, I think it was 20 million people have resigned essentially from their jobs or corporate jobs trying to yes, find. Yes. I've do their seen own it. Things. A great resignation. Yeah. <clears throat> Someone wild. on LinkedIn was talking about it. He was writing an article. I need to follow up with him, but he was, he was trying to tabulate the data and look at like, look at all the little charts and everything that you can see the the trend line of people quitting going up. And my question was for him was, well, are these people like just quitting and going out into the ether or are they quitting for another job or are they quitting to start their own business? I think it's like that kind of data gets me excited thinking about what's going on in the workforce from now, like from, from this point forward, like are we, are we seeing a new wave of, of innovation in the form of, you know, small entrepreneurial ventures or something like that? We'll see. Hmm. We don't have to get too, too off topic, but it is something that I've considered a lot about too, in terms of, they talk about a lot how kind of the future of work is going to be more almost like hit squats 
in that the large conglomerates aren't necessarily, I mean, there will be some, but there won't be as many as there used to be. And there's going to be a lot more essentially small teams of people. So say you needed some video production done, you'll basically hire a team of four or five people that all kind of work together. They can produce a video because it takes a lot less of a team and a lot less money to do what used to take giant corporations. And so yeah. you're kind of seeing the shift of a lot more people just essentially creating these little micro teams that they can create things and produce things. And it's, I don't know, it's just very interesting. Yeah, no, it's almost like the idea of a distributed, a distributed firm or something like that, which right. is not unlike some of the projects that I've worked on. So my first consulting project, we were doing stuff with the state here in Georgia for the Department of Behavioral Health and Developmental Disabilities. And I mean, we were probably a team that was 40 deep as far as resources went, but the core team was, you know, seven or eight of us, right? And we like pulled from resources as we could. People from all over the country, we'd, you know, they'd fly in when we needed them, fly out when we didn't need them. Um, so it's interesting to see that that dynamic from the, the world of marketing and even business, you know, like these distributed teams, even having application here in healthcare. So mm. I definitely yeah, see man. it being something moving forward. I've thought about it a little bit in the clinic that I own, like what, what part of this can we do with like a distributed workforce as opposed to having people in the clinic on site, you know, like telehealth is one of those areas where you could potentially have people providing services that aren't, you know, on site, so to speak, and they can do it kind of on demand when they need to, when they want to, that sort of thing. Yeah, I think you probably need a lot less hand-on service than people think they do. I've had a lot of conversations with this because all my <laughs> clients are obviously people in the service-based business and especially in the health and fitness world, obviously. And um, I oftentimes just pose that question on them of like, where, where do you want to do? Where do you want to be spending your time and energy? Because I, I think they feel as if because they've been in this like hands-on world for their entire career that they have to continue down that direction. And that's not yeah. true at all. Like I have a client of mine actually as well, who's, he did the PT personal training thing, or excuse me, physical therapy thing for a long time. And then ultimately decided to take his entire practice remotely. And now he just focuses on more of a niche area and that he just does postural stuff related to like ergonomics and setting up your work environment, which he doesn't need to be there for any of that stuff. And he's all just like coaching on, you know, neck exercises, posture exercises, how to set up your work environment. He basically is creating online courses um, and just completely pivoted to a purely virtual environment. And it's just him. He doesn't need a staff. He doesn't need um, a clinic. He doesn't need any of that stuff. And I think there's a lot more opportunities for that than people maybe realized. And so, yeah, I think it's, it's definitely changing. There's no question. Yeah. Well, and the, and the research kind of indicates that too, right? Like they, they move from passive treatments to active treatments and self-management versus, you know, a lot of hands-on manual therapy and stuff like that. Sometimes it takes the patients or the clients a little bit of time, maybe even some education to get them on board. But the reality is like long-term efficacy of, you know, you doing manual therapy and exercises alone is not really, is not really sufficient anymore. We definitely need to move more into that self-management, like helping people give, giving people the tools they need to be healthier longer. Right. So yeah. I mean, if you want a massage, go see a massage therapist, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So then tell me a little bit about like functional websites. A lot of folks, when they get into, into healthcare, maybe they're starting a practice, maybe they're managing a practice that has a website that they know needs some work. Like in your, since you do this, what kind of things or functions 
need to be on a website and then maybe we can talk to you about like how it's organized and and what you know like what your goal is with a website and all that sure yeah great question so before and this is a conversation i have a lot so before you ever even get started with a website i think the thing people miss the most often is who excuse my language the hell are we talking to and I think so often that we go into this of like, I want to do longevity and gut health and I want to do some health coaching, but I also have this side thing that I do. Great. You can continue to do all these things that you're passionate about, but for the sake of building a website and focusing your marketing, let's get a way more specific. And we go from niche to sub niche to micro niche to even smaller than that. And it's funny because like take even like uh, a lot of the health coaches that I work with, like if you take even something as simple as, all right, I want to work with um, 40 to 60 year old females. Great. There's about, you know, in the United States, about 150 million of those. Okay. Let's try again. Um, I want to work with those in my local area. Okay. Maybe we're down to like a million. All right. Let's go even smaller. Let's go to what are they doing for a job? Well, if they work in healthcare, okay, what are they doing in healthcare? And then you keep just getting smaller and smaller and smaller until you find a market that essentially you could at some point dominate 50% of it. And so when you think about that number of 50% of it, well, you're looking at maybe a couple hundred people. So you have to find a market that's maybe a thousand people. That's kind of where you're after. That's where you really want to focus your attention and your efforts is getting very clear on exactly who you're talking to. And then everything you do from a website standpoint is then asking the question of like, well, who's my avatar and how am I serving them directly? And so function wise, the very first thing in terms of once you know who that is, the top of the website, you have to answer three questions. What do you do? What problem do you solve? And what action do you want them to take next? Right. And so if you even pull up any decent website, it's going to have some sort of header that says we do physical therapy in... Where are you from? Augusta. <laughs> Augusta. We do physical therapy in Augusta. Next thing you should answer is, well, okay, what problem are you solving? We help with lower back pain. And then the next question is, what do you want me to do next? There should be a button that says, contact me, set up a free consult, schedule now, whatever it is. Those are the three things you want to hit right away because people very rarely, 60% of people that come to your website don't even make it past that very first section. And so that's probably one of the most important parts is what problem do you solve? Or, or excuse me, what do you do? What problem do you solve? And what's the action you want them to take next? Hit that right away at the very top of it. After that, usually follow up with like, what problems are you essentially solving? What other problems are you solving? So we call this often a value proposition of like, I we help with lower back pain. We are 100% remote, so we can show up at your door. Um, and we only work with females. I don't know, whatever it is. And so like, those are your value propositions. And then after that, the rest of the site is really about just like building trust. Um, no like, and trust are obviously the biggest things is like the rest of the site is finding ways to do that. And you do that through testimonials. You do that through, um, other companies and people that you partner with. Um, you do that through other sorts of benefits that you offer or offering free content, free guides, um, free information, free newsletters, just other ways to essentially add value and start building trust and relationships with anybody that's going to land on your website. And it's also worth noting too, is that back to that earlier point about messaging is that you also want to take into consideration of like, what are you trying to rank for? Like what, what is the, once you know your avatar, well, what are they searching for and what are they looking for? If your avatar goes to Google, are they typing in 
um, knee pain in my local area or knee pain physical therapist near me? Like, what are they typing into Google? And then you can kind of start to structure things around that and focusing in on how you're directly answering those questions for that specific person. And if you're a service-based business, probably in your local area, those are really things that you want to hit on as well. Um, and I'd say as like a final point too, is that this is only one piece of a bigger pie. Um, having a website does for sure build trust and it really helps create that relationship, but it's only one piece of, obviously, as you know, um, there's a lot more components to that of, are you doing other certain things to kind of bring attention to it and drive traffic to it, whether it's social media or doing a podcast show like this or YouTube channels or running advertisements. Um, and there's a lot of other things that we could get into that as well, if you we wanted to, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, like you said, we're trying to answer those questions. We're trying to drive an action. Is there anything in particular, like when it comes to that action that we're trying to drive, especially for, for healthcare providers, particularly, like what do we want those prospective patients to do? Are we talking like an email list? Are we talking book an appointment? Like what are, like, what do you find to be the most successful call to action on that section right above the fold? Yeah, I love this. I'd actually love to hear your input on this. And this is something that um, my thoughts on it is actually, I kind of call it like the seven hour rule in that um, if someone's never landed on your site, they've never seen you, they don't know anything about you, it's probably actually not a good thing to jump on a call with them right away. And the reason that I say that is you got to understand that having a customer or a client or a patient is a process of building a relationship, right? You're not going to go to the bar and ask somebody to marry you. That's freaking stupid. But you're, we seem to think that we can do the same thing with our customers is that if the second they come on our website, we're like, hey, let's get married and date and give me all your money. It's like, get <laughs> out of my face, you freak. What are you doing? And so there's a warm-up period, right? You want to essentially have them get to know you before you even consider the fact of like working with them, establishing a relationship. And there's a lot of ways you can do that. And so to answer your question, what's the first thing you want them to do? I would want them personally is to essentially start to build um, a relationship with them, which is where um, newsletters become really, really powerful. Because like if, if somebody comes to your website and they're like, hey, this is cool. They do physical therapy. I don't know them. I don't trust them yet. And I'm not quite ready to work with them. But now I initially have that first contact. The next thing you kind of want is to having a newsletter is just one example. There's many ways you can do this, but that's another great way to get started is get their, is get their email, have them say, sign up here. We'll give you a free gift of some form, whether it's an e-guide or a video course or whatever, um, get their email and then slowly continue to add value. So then send them an email and say like, Hey, thanks for signing up. Would love to kind of tell you more about what we do. Um, if there's anything else that we can do to help you out, just shoot us a reply. We'd love to just start a conversation with you great. And then you maybe send another email a week later and then another email. So this is essentially called the drip campaign, right? And so you're continually sending them emails, building that relationship. And when I said seven hour rule earlier, I think that it's probably best to have had them let or let them consume at least seven hours worth of your content, quote unquote, um, before you even really want to establish a call or a relationship with them and ask them to maybe come into your clinic or to sign up for a free consult. Cause like, I feel like that's kind of jumping the gun. I think, I don't remember that you might know this, but there's some statistic about, we need to have like 13 engagements or something like that with somebody before we're even actually open to connecting with them. Well, it's the exact same thing. of like any sort of online marketing is that you want to have some form of connecting. That's why staying consistent with your content is really important. Having a good trip campaign is really important. 
um, just slowly adding value to them and building up their relationship, just like you would any other human in any other environment um, before you're actually asking them to say, okay, let's jump on a call and let's talk about a few things. Yeah. No, I think that's, I think that's a good point. Yeah. I think that statistic is something I've heard it a few times. It's like 23, 23 days and 33 touches or, or something like that. It's like right. some specific number. It's not like somebody lands on your website and is booking an appointment today. Right. Totally. <laughs> Unless you hit that. I mean, maybe I guess if you're, if your messaging is on point and you're going for a very specific group of prospective patients that are both problem oriented, problem aware, solution oriented, and like ready to make a decision, right? Which is always the smallest portion of any market. I think they said, you know, 3% of a market at any given time is ready to, to hit the buy now button, so to speak. The other 97% right. is in the kind of expiration phase. So totally, which I think there's, a you know, there's, there's something we said about that long-term play too, that building no like and trust value over time. You got to take into consideration too someone's level of pain, right? Especially in an industry like this, if someone's in like extreme chronic lower back pain, like yeah, they're going to do anything and everything they can to get out of that pain. But I would say that most people really aren't in that scenario. Most people are in the scenario where they've dealt with it for years before they're finally like, all right, maybe I should do something about this, and maybe I should talk to somebody about this. Um, same thing for your health if you're a personal trainer, right? Is like. You've probably had health issues for a long time before you're finally like, all right, maybe I should get a personal trainer. And you slowly start to do research and you start to figure that stuff out. And that's why like having that relationship is so important is that all your marketing and your posts and your content and your website and all these things, they're important, but really all they are is there to just to kind of be like, hey, I'm here if you need me. Uh, it's probably not going to happen right now, but maybe in months, weeks, years, who knows? Hopefully I'm the person that you choose. Like that's really what it is. Yeah. I once heard somebody on a, on a different podcast say that their vision for selling was uh, they took such a long-term vision that if there was enough of a fit, if they knew that there was a, a fit between what they did and what the prospective client needed, that it was just, it was a matter of when, not if, that if both of them lived long enough, they would do business together. And it's, <laughs> like, and it's such a good way of looking at it, right? Like, there, I always say this, there's, there, there are more people in pain speaking specifically to like PTOT kind of stuff, outpatient orthopedics, then there are clinicians to service them. The, the problem is that those, the majority of those people in pain just haven't made the decision yet. Right. And it's not a matter of if they make a decision to get treatment and to resolve their back pain, for example, it's just a matter of when they decide to do it. And, you know, there are obviously things you can do to maybe encourage somebody to make a decision, but you know, you can lead a horse to water. You can't make them drink all the time. Right. Totally. And it, it always reminds me too, of think, I think people forget to just look at their own buying habits and behaviors. If, if you're in need of a product or a service, what's the first thing you do? You probably go online and you start researching and you start going to different websites and you start reading things and you maybe spend a few moments here and a few moments there. And the ones that seem to most relate and connect with you over a long enough period of time is the one you're most likely to buy from on top of the fact of like, also side note, like that's why testimonials are insanely powerful and third-party tools like having Google reviews are insanely powerful um, of driving traffic in terms of one, it gets more people to look at it. And two, people just trust third parties a lot more. Um, which is definitely worth something considering anybody who has a service-based business is if you're not getting testimonials, you're for sure missing out. No question. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So then when it comes to 
like the say this pr uh, prospective patient that lands on our site, maybe they poke around a little bit and then they go away from a, maybe from a, a messaging and like a web development standpoint, what are those factors that might make a prospective patient turn around and say, you know what, I've looked at a few, but this guy right here, this, this gal right here has a website or whatever they were saying, I think they might be able to help me. Yeah. Phenomenal question. So there's a few factors and they've actually done a lot of research on this stuff. And so you're hitting on something that's really important. Um, there's three things um, that really stand out more than anything else. Number one is like I said before, is testimonials. Um, having whether they're video or photo videos are great. If you can do them, definitely have videos. Videos are definitely leading the charge in terms of building that relationship and that trust with people. So having any of your clients or customers have some sort of testimonials on there or having third-party testimonials, whether that's Yelp or Google or whatever your preferred services, huge. Um, second one is actually the speed of your website. If somebody has to wait more than like two seconds, I think it is two and a half seconds for your website to load. They basically trust it less and they're more likely to go somewhere else, which is insane to think about. Yeah. Um, and then the third one is actually having you, the person, the actual human behind this business or the company showing up in some authentic real way. So get the stock photos off your website immediately and go take some photos. And if you have a phone in the 21st century, you can take high quality photos. So this is not a problem. Um, but like having some way of, or even just having an about page, like maybe if you need to have stock photos, fine, whatever, but definitely have some way for them to authentically connect with the actual person behind the business. I mean, you got to think about, do people follow Tesla or do people follow Elon Musk? Do people follow Amazon or do people follow Jeff Bezos? Do people follow Facebook or do people follow Mark Zuckerberg? Right. Your business is no different is they want to know the person behind the business. Who's the actual person that's running the show? Who's going to help me? Who do I, who can I talk to? Especially too about our conversation earlier about um, the great resignation and everybody kind of stepping away from their jobs is that um, people don't want to work with quote unquote business anymore. People want to work with people. People want the relationship and the connection. And so the three biggest things is who's the person behind the business how can I find out if they're actually legitimate by looking up testimonials and how fast is the website, which is crazy to sound, but it's actually a really important factor. And just as a little side tip, if anybody doesn't know anything about websites, just make sure that your images are compressed and they're the right size. That'll make everything a thousand times faster. There's a few other things you can do, but that's probably the biggest one that people get wrong is they don't actually make their images smaller and their website loads slower. People trust them less. Um, and just as a side thing too, actually like, Design, believe it or not, as, people, as much as people don't want to believe it, really does matter. I wouldn't say it's the biggest factor, but it's definitely an important factor of a website is that if you go to a website that has no design consistency whatsoever, I mean, if you think about your own buying habits, you're less likely to trust them and you're less likely to come back to that website. So, or those websites that look like they were developed in like 99. Yep. <laughs> like exactly. HTML card coded or whatever. <laughs> exactly, man. It's, um, it's true. funny though, how many, how many clinics that, you know, I've talked with and worked with that they've like, oh, we just, we had this website put up years ago when we started the business, like 15 years ago, like, oh, like, what do you do with this website? Oh, well, I mean, it's, it's there. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which, Which I guess takes out. us to that, that next point. Like how should, how should healthcare professionals think about using their websites? Yeah. That's a conversation I have a lot. And so I would say 
it's the home base is what I tell most people is that it's not the end all be all. It's not going to solve all your problems. Um, it's just one of the many tools in the toolkit to essentially build more trust, build more authority and build a relationship with your clients. But I will say that it's a really important home base is because if your entire business right now, which a lot of people is, are, and I, I know these people. And so I apologize if you're listening to the show right now, but if your entire business is built on your social media platform right now, you're at a massive risk. And that's super unfortunate. And so I can't tell you the number of people that I worked with, especially during COVID, where the social media, especially Facebook, were blocking anything health related. If you even had the word health in any of your content or posts on social media for a long window of time, you were getting screened or flagged or not posted or your customers weren't seeing it. Like your business was for sure taking a hit. And the reason is, is if your entire business is based on your Instagram profile, well, any of the people that own those businesses can essentially just shut you down today if they wanted to. Or when that, when was that? There was like a, there was a day where like Facebook was like down for the whole day. And it was like, oh yeah, that was a while ago, but it was like, do you realize like that was a lot of people's entire businesses that got smashed because yeah, of I had one a lot day of clients that their only marketing strategy or their only marketing tactic was Facebook ads. And they went a day without any Facebook ads, right? Yep. <laughs> Which is huge, right? Like that's a, that's a big deal. And so, um, to your original question about like what should people be doing with their website and what is the main thing? I think the main thing to the point earlier is having some way to establish an authentic connection with those people. And so, like coming to your landing page, and that's where newsletters have become like really powerful these days. Is that I argue it's probably one of the best. You think about think about your own habits with your with your email inbox. I bet you're constantly like organizing it and sorting it and moving things and replying. And you're very specific about where you subscribe and you're constantly unsubscribing to all this other crap that you don't want. And you're going through your spam inbox and trying to unsubscribe from all that other crap. Like you're very particular about keeping that thing put together how you want it to be. And so that says a lot about the power and the value of it right now. And so if you can have a compelling offer that's um, that people will for sure want to say yes to, which goes back to way back to the original point about who are you talking to? Because if you know exactly who you're talking to, then it's a lot easier to create an offer that people can't resist. Like if you had a website where right away at the very top, you're speaking directly to that person. You're like, hey, listen, Joe from um, Atlanta, Georgia, and you are 38 and you just got in a car accident and you have this severe lower back pain. Hey, I would love to like get you um, signed up on this newsletter. We have all this great information on how to deal with it. We have things that you can, you can eat exercises you can try to help you deal with this lower back pain. They're gonna be like, Oh God, like you're talking right to me. This is amazing. Like I'm definitely going to sign up for that and then add a bunch of value to that person. And so I think the biggest thing from the website standpoint is like, yes, use other platforms like your social media platforms, um, your webinars, your, uh, your local events, use all those things to essentially drive them to your website and then have some sort of compelling offer for them to go like, Oh yes, I should definitely click this, sign up for this, get their email. And then, then we can go down another tangent of what to do next. But I would say that's the biggest thing from the website standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not one of those people then that believes that email is dead, huh? No way, man. <laughs> people say that about blogging too. Not true. Yeah. A lot of people that have built substantial businesses lately on blogs, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, the idea of 
repurposing content in as many mediums as you can too, because like a written piece, for example, might turn out to be perfectly done, like a short little video clip or something like that. And the idea of giving people giving people content that they want in the, in the format that they want to consume it. Right. Cause you've got people that won't read anything, but they'll watch three hours of YouTube or people that won't watch any YouTube, but they'll read a 3,500 word blog article. Like it's nothing. So I like being <laughs> able to spread it out. Yeah. I'm totally a podcast guy. I don't read blogs very often, but I will say too, um, just as another website thing, which is worth touching on. I feel like um, SEO in terms of getting traffic and getting eyeballs to your site. Oh yeah. Really, Let's talk about this. Yeah. I mean, it's important. It's for sure. That's where like, again, I'm, I'm so glad that I touched on an original point about knowing who you're talking to because if you want to drive more traffic to your website if from a Google standpoint, right? If you, if you want to be the person that's ranked on the first page or two of a specific topic, you got to know exactly what you want to rank for. I was actually just talking to one of my clients, really good friend of mine as well. He's a functional medicine practitioner. And he's noticed that he's gotten a lot more traffic from SIBO, um, small bacteria infection, something like that. I don't know, some sort of like gut health bloating issue. And, uh, and I was like, okay, so is that the term? Like, what are people Googling or what are people searching for if I have that? Am I, am I searching for my, what do I do about my stomach pain? Or uh, how do I deal with bloating? Or SIBO doctor near me, like what are people searching for and kind of figure out like, what is the main term you want to search for and then build content around that both on your website and also using that's where to my point too, but saying blogging is for sure not dead is that if you have really well-written blogs with those words in it, Google is going to pick up on that, pick up on that. And they're going to go, Oh, look, this person is helping people with SIBO health. We should drive some more eyeballs to that. Um, there's a lot of other little things you can do too, in terms of uh, I think there's three main pillars, I would say, in terms of if you're trying to increase traffic to your website from an SEO standpoint, there's the actual what's going on in your website, which is like meta tags, alt tags, things like that. Uh, the second pillar would be what sort of content is on your website. Is your content specific towards a very um, specific problem? Um, so if you just have a lot of blog posts about a very specific problem, obviously that's going to drive a lot of people there. Um, and then I would say the third piece, which a lot of people aren't aware of, is actually what's called backlinks, which is are other people talking about your website and your articles. And there's a few ways you can go about backlinks. One of them is you could guest blog or you could guest write for another website, which has like, if we'll take a SIBO again, for example, if you wanted to write an article for another website about SIBO, and then at the end of that article or within that article, you linked it back to your website that triggers Google to go, oh, look at this. Like other people are talking about their website. Um, the other thing you can do too is like other sorts of content, which is obviously like YouTube videos, um, just any other websites that are essentially driving back to your website. But those are the three kind of pillars, I would say, of SEO and driving more traffic uh, from a free standpoint. And then obviously there's advertisements as well, but that's a whole nother bucket. Yeah. Do you ever recommend that people go out and spend tons of money on like an SEO firm to get their website ranked? No. Yeah. <laughs> don't do that. We're on the same page on that. <laughs> Definitely don't do that. Yeah. No. Especially when they're, when I've had some folks be like, I want to be number one for physical therapy in my area. I'm like, all right. Like how much money do you have to spend? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like, I don't know why you'd want that anyways, realistically. 
Because to the earlier point about knowing who you're serving, knowing your avatar, knowing specifically who you're talking to, are you honestly, do you, do you even have the capacity as a business? To, let's say you were ranked number one for physical therapy in your area, and let's assume you lived in a bigger city. Do you even have the capacity to serve those people? I doubt it. I highly doubt it. And like, not only, maybe you could, maybe you could just hire a bunch of people and then serve them, but then would you serve them at a high level? at a high enough level that they would give you good reviews and want to continue to talk about you. Like, I just, I don't even think that's a good idea in the first place. I don't know. Yeah, no, I agree. So like the clinic that I run, we are all of our marketing and messaging and everything is around chronic pain, right? Chronic musculoskeletal Mm -hmm. pain. Those are the people that we talk to. Um, And I think that in and of itself, like just looking at the people that have landed on our website and then become patients, you know, three months, six months down the road, those are the ones that really love us. They really talk about us. You know, they're, they're the ones giving us the reviews. We get workman's comp, sure. And we get people from like post-surgical and they're all right. Um, but those, those diehards are the ones that have been following us for a while before they even make an appointment. You know, we get people that are like, oh, I've, I landed on your site three months ago and it just took me a while to make an, like to, to get the courage or whatever, to make an appointment. You know, those are the people that you want. <laughs> yeah. You're hitting on something that's so important, man, is you want raving fans. You want like from both standpoint, from a personal fulfillment standpoint of actually feeling good about the work that you're doing. But even from a business standpoint, those are the people that are going to tell their friends and you just got 10 more customers or they write you an incredible testimonial that other people see on your website or see online. And you now have a hundred more eyeballs that are more likely to click yes to whatever offer you have. Like, I think it's so easy to get like whoever the person was, I apologize to them. Whoever said like, I want to be number one in physical therapy, but it's the wrong mentality. Like the right mentality is who are the vital few that you can serve at a super high level and go serve them. Like nobody wants, like the world doesn't need you to serve everybody and they don't want you to serve everybody. So stop trying to. Yeah. It's that idea. I don't know if you've read any of like David Baker, David C. Baker's books, but he talks a lot about positioning, which is basically what you said, you know, they call it niching down or whatever, but carving out your position in a marketplace. And just that idea, like you, you are only going to be able to serve a specific type of client at a very high level. And the moment you start, you know, start trying to reach outside of that area, one, you're like, you're just serving them at a lower level, but also you're kind of ex- exceeding your capacity to do really, really good work. And anybody that, you know, I, I talk about this with prospective clients and clients all the time, like anybody that's worried about it, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to carve out this really, really defined specialty because I don't want to miss out on business over here. And at least my experience has been, and some of these other folks like, you know, David Baker, Blair Ends, and then they talk about the people that, or might be tangentially related to that area that you've carved out. You know, our brains are incredible and their brains will do the mental gymnastics necessary for them to see a fit, right? Like even if your messaging is something <laughs> like we work with performance athletes, somebody with maybe low back pain can, can look at that. And if they like what you see and they're kind of tangentially related, it can be like, oh, this person works with performance athletes so they can probably help me, right? So I don't think you have to worry so much about losing gobs of business because you carve out a very uh, like narrow subspecialty because again like people will people will find you that need you and want you yeah man i love that idea because as somebody who specifically does website design and marketing for health professionals pts ot's um 
I feel like the messaging that most people only pick up on is they're like, oh, you do websites. And like uh, a data scientist will come to me and be like, hey, I saw you do websites. Like they're, they're almost even blind <laughs> yeah. to the fact that I'm like, but I do okay. data science in healthcare. So exactly but yeah to go off of your your point about that is yes a thousand percent agree with everything you just said and just to add to that i think too that um just because your marketing is directed towards and when i say marketing i mean your website your social media your posts all that stuff just because your marketing is directed towards a specific market doesn't mean you have to say no to everybody else. Like those people can still come knocking at your door and ask you for help and you can provide service and value assuming you can actually help them. So it's it's not saying no to the other opportunities out there. It's just understanding that from a messaging standpoint, you're going up against a lot of noise and a lot of competition. And the only way realistically, because of how much content is constantly being pushed into the internet on every millisecond, your only way of cutting through that is getting specific, unfortunately, or dumping ass loads of money into advertisements. Those are your options. Yeah, exactly. It is one of those things like the amount of money that you could spend on websites and marketing is, is quite unbelievable (laughs) when you think about it. Oh man. Yeah. I I talk to folks all the time. They're like, Oh, I just spent, you know, 30 grand doing this website. And then they're thinking about redoing it again because it's not the way they wanted it. And I'm like, Whoa, slow your roll now. (laughs) Yeah. They, well, in that scenario too, it's like, then whoever did their website didn't take that initial step of figuring out their messaging and who we're talking to and our avatar, because I think, Again, that's step one is figure that out and then everything else gets easier. Yeah. All right. Well, we're getting near the, near the end here. If you could give people, I don't know, two or three main points that you'd want them to think about when it comes to their website and their marketing specifically in that healthcare space, what would you tell them? Curveball. No, I think this is great. <clears throat> I think I think energy is really important. And I don't mean that from like a woo-woo standpoint of like go sit in Sedona and sit on a vortex. I mean it from the sense of like understanding what really fires you up and what drains you. And what I mean by this, what I'm going where I'm going with this is that. Um, you have a lot of options from a marketing standpoint and a website standpoint. I mean, there's right there's social media, there's podcasting, there's webinars, there's YouTube, there's events, there's um, complex design, simple. Des- there's just so many options and there's so many avenues you could go. And I think um, what's more important is what can you commit to and what can you can sit, what can you stay consistent with, because. I would argue that it's less about the strategy and the avenue and the marketing strategy. And it's more about how can you stay consistent for a long period of time. And this shows up in every area of our life. And I don't think that marketing is any different. I think that if you wanted to be healthy and feel good and have a six pack and well, there's certain things you have to do day in and day out, right? You have to regularly kind of eat a pretty decent diet and move pretty regularly and lift weights every once in a while. And um, sleep decently well, right? 
relationships are the same thing. I think that if you want to have a good marriage or dating relationship or friendship or whatever it is, you have to, you know, consistently be there for them and care for them and check in on them and have conversations and go to dinners. And well, your marketing is the same way in that if you want to have an audience and hopefully some raving fans, you have to find what you can be consistent with. And so find the platform and the avenue where you can at least commit to, I call it the rule of a hundred, where you can at least commit to doing a hundred posts or a hundred blogs or a hundred episodes or a hundred videos or whatever it is, um, and choose that avenue and stick with it for a long enough period of time where you can start to notice trends. And then you'll start to notice like, oh, this is working and this isn't working. Because if you're just bouncing all over the place, just like as if you were doing 37 different kinds of workouts, you would have no idea if you're even getting better or worse. Well, your marketing is the exact same way. So I think energy is really important is figure out what you enjoy doing from an energy standpoint, which doesn't totally suck the life out of you. And then you'll stay more consistent with it. And I think you'll see a lot better results. Oh yeah. Great advice. Awesome. Well, Corey, thanks for taking the time. Um, where can people find out about you, about your work, follow you in all the places? <clears throat> yeah, man. I uh, appreciate you doing this. So my website is Corey High, C-O-R-E-Y-H-I.com. Um, and if you just Google my name, um, Corey Hibben on basically LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, those are probably the main platforms. And I also, also have a podcast show called The Health Hustle. Um, where I talk to other health and fitness entrepreneurs. And so if that is you, if you are in the health or fitness industry and um, you want to possibly be a guest, I'd love to talk to you and see if it's a good fit. Um, yeah, that's where you can find me. All right, cool deal. Well, thanks so much. Have a good one, man. Appreciate it, brother. All right, well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Corey Hibben around website design, website um, optimization, if you would, for lead generation and kind of our our conversation dove a little bit into direct marketing, direct response marketing, the sales cycle specifically in healthcare and that direct to consumer piece. Like I mentioned before, a client or a prospective patient that is coming to a clinic off of a referral from a doctor or a specialist is going to have a much different cycle, life cycle, if you would, or buyer cycle than somebody that finds out about your clinic, your organization from content that you've posted online or an advertisement on social media, because the, the, the patient or prospective patient that's coming from the referral has already spoken to a healthcare provider. Uh, I mean, theoretically that they know and trust, that's why they sought them out for care and for a consultation in the first place their barrier to booking appointment is going to be much, much lower than somebody that has never heard of you, right? So we did two podcasts or two uh, webinars, excuse me, webinars on this topic at the tail end of 2021. One was called uh, Direct to Consumer Marketing, and it was kind of like the high-level overview of the philosophy around taking cold traffic and converting them into appointments at your clinic. And then the second webinar, the follow-up for that was lead generation. And it was all about the techniques, the tactics to get that cold traffic, the, the eyeballs that you're putting on the places, whether it be your site, your social media, your advertising, whatever it is, and actually getting them to convert and click through to opt into the, the process of you know, ultimately booking appointment, that, that sales funnel, if you would. So if you're interested in checking those out, 
Um, you can find those at RehabUPracticeSolutions.com. You can click the Insights uh, tab and then click on the Webinars and Workshops. And the, the last two that we did, so near the bottom of the page, are the Direct-to-Consumer Marketing uh, Webinar and then the Lead Generation Webinar. And the subtitle for that is Succeeding at Direct-to-Consumer Marketing. So it's all of the, again, the, the ins and outs of actual the lead generation process. We're planning on doing a follow-up marketing piece, a follow-up webinar on um, the conversion piece. So actually getting folks from that lead generator, after you've generated that lead and they're in your sales funnel, how do you get them to buy into a plan of care, essentially, and then obviously engage and retain them throughout? Um, look for that. We'll, we'll send that out on email. So that is all we've got today for this week. If you like the show, head on over to iTunes, leave us a rating and review. It helps people find us, helps uh, spread the message. Um, if you want to be kept in the loop, you can head to www.betteroutcomes.show and you can sign up there for our email list. We will uh, send you out a copy of the a link to the, the episode and then links to our guests, where, whatever they do, you know, LinkedIn's, websites, resources, the gamut. Um, so you can find that again at www.betteroutcomes.show. Um, we release episodes usually every other week. Sometimes you'll get a bonus episode in the off week. Uh, probably not likely until <laughs> the middle of 2022. I'm wrapping up a book project right now, and all of my spare time is being devoted to um, cranking that out before the deadline. So again, until the next time, folks, be safe, be healthy. I will talk to you then. Thanks for listening to the Better Outcomes Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Our hope is that you walk away from each episode informed, equipped, and empowered to push the boundaries in your own practice or business. We want to give you the tools to help you build strong, long-lasting relationships with your patients and clients, helping meet their goals, improve their health, and achieve better outcomes. Learn more at www rehabupracticesolutions.com. We'll catch you on the next episode.